Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to That Spooky early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. This episode is brought to you in part by June's Journey. Picture it, the glamour of the roaring 20s wrapped in a mystery that only you can solve. Dive into June Parker's captivating quest to uncover scandalous family secrets. With your keen eye for detail, find hidden clues and solve mind-boggling puzzles. It's all about observation, intrigue, and drama. But beware, each clue leads deeper into a thrilling storyline filled with danger and romance. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Your adventure awaits. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. Spooky. I'm Johnny. I'm Tyler. And this is a weekly podcast that's giving Christmas moment. Yes, it's a little dramatic. Yeah. And it is giving Christmas moment. Okay. Um, look, you may not know exactly what we're sniffing around, so we're just going to cut to the chase. We now have new in-jokes because we saw Mariah Carey live. Yes, we did. Your roving reporters got to see Mariah Carey's Christmas show. Boom, boom. Ba- I'm shadow boxing as we are saying this. This uh-huh. was like a bucket list moment for Tyler. Yes. Uh, it happened. We saw the first performance of her holiday show. Uh, just a reminder, she was doing two shows in Toronto, two shows in New York. Uh-huh. Um, and it was what she referred to as the dress rehearsal, darling. Yeah, it was the dress rehearsal. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say, while I didn't film the entire thing because that's not my vibe, I did have my camera phone rolling during all of the interstitial moments. Yeah, because like, yeah. that's, that's, those are the moments. Yeah, it, it's so funny because like as the concert was going on, all of the lambs were like up, you know, camera phones up recording while the songs were going. And then <laughs> as those were all coming down, my my spindly little hands were going, were going up. up. <laughs> yeah, I mean like kind of at heart height because I'm not going to block people behind me because I'm already tall. Um, but yeah, no, I recorded all the interstitial moments so that Tyler could just 
just hear Mariah talking. Just relive it because it's kind of like an out-of-body experience for me. Yeah. Because Mariah Carey, if anybody doesn't know, is my diva. Yeah. Like, we all have a diva. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, a witch is familiar. Mm-hmm. Every gay has their diva. Yes. And Mariah Carey happens to be mine. Mine is Leslie Feist. Yes. And yes, and Tyler's is Mariah Carey. And this was, it was a spiritual moment. It really was. And yeah, yeah there, there are some great interstitials because Mariah Carey is just so extra. Yeah. Like, oh. extra to the to the nth degree well yeah and this was her first performance since the pandemic where she was like doing her entire show just yeah like a first concert exactly yeah and so she was workshopping things she was at one point she was asking us if we liked the dress if the dress worked she said it's more tool than i require yeah follow me on instagram (laughs) you've seen all of these greatest hits not only did she come down from the ceiling in a snowflake she sure did the show yes not only did she do a uh a, a duet with her daughter Monroe uh-huh. um, for the she, first time ever. Hell yeah. So it was a Mariah Carey history. Yeah, where she dusted that little kid. <laughs> she did. Yeah, she <laughs> buried her own child vocally on stage uh-huh. in front of all of us. Uh, they did Away in a Manger. It was super cute. Yeah. And uh, yeah, look, Moroccan, her son even came out and did like a little skit. A little Christmas it skit. Was, it was the Carey family Christmas uh, it, skit fest. <laughs> it the really pageant. was. It was lovely. It was fabulous. But yeah. yeah, Mariah Carey was fighting Tool. It had much more Tool than she required. And she was really afraid that she was going to take a terrible tumble. Yeah, it was outstanding. Uh-huh. And uh, while we haven't completely reviewed all of the footage yet, uh, it, it is plentiful. Yeah, I'm sure there are more moments we haven't picked up on yet but i will also say as many of us know i'm not a huge fan of christmas music yeah so i was like okay like mariah carey johnny light was like you need to go see mariah carey yeah i forced tyler into this yeah which is funny like it it was happening and i was in a pottery class and i basically just messaged tyler and i was like i bought you tickets Uh uh-huh and i was very excited yeah but christmas music is not my favorite music um arena concerts aren't always our favorite either exactly right so you know considering it's still a pandemic even though people kept being like like it's over sure is not it's not um but the thing is it, there was a great moment where mariah carey was just like we're going to break tradition and we're going to just do some of the regular hits yeah so there was like a good maybe like 20 minutes yeah. where she just did like a super cut medley of like some of her like most popular songs and that was worth the ticket price alone and i did I was record so that. excited i recorded that for you to look back at later again usually i think recording concerts isn't really the tea but uh-huh. again we were like one of how many there in, in an arena show a few and thousands and it was a pretty special moment so i broke my own rules um but yeah it was super cool and it it was so cute because at one point in the video the camera just like goes down to my knees because tyler nudges me like to the gods (laughs) and just goes this is my favorite one Yeah. What song was it? Oh, is my all? Uh, yeah, it's it a really so lovely song. I love seeing that joy in in my partner, and I'm sure you all do too. <laughs> yeah, so, it, it was, was a great time. It was I had iconic. A lovely time at the Mariah show. Well, look, and like I know we're throwing the word iconic around right now, but we have a bit of an iconic spooky gay bullshit to get into That's as well. True. Like we, and I'm not going to say iconic in a good way, but it's just like we have some pretty monumental shit to talk about. So if you don't mind, do you want to move on? Yeah, yeah, we can move on. Yeah, we can talk about Dracula real quick. And then we got this news to talk about. So let's really try to stick to two minutes of Dragula at the most. Um, If you don't know the name of the game, Dragula is like a spooky drag competition. We like to talk about it because it's super queer and we like to shout out 
you know what's happening mm -hmm. in the spooky queer world so if yeah. you don't care about it skip ahead two minutes otherwise let's learn something new so dragula titans uh episode what just happened episodes it eight? feels like eight Nine? yeah eight okay. it's definitely eight i just flipped back a page and that was seven but it was the horror like icon monster what's the fucking name i don't know the name but basically the challenge was that they had to take a, a icon from the world of horror yeah. be it movies tv uh horror comic pop books, culture yeah. just horror pop culture exactly yeah and then they basically had to uh do their own interpretation of that character not cosplay but no. like a, a dramatic or it didn't have to be dramatic but just like a, a original interpretation well no it became dramatic at a certain point because then they basically had to act out a notable skit that pertained to that uh icon yes. so basically if you were to do elvira for example you know you might want to do like her sitting on a couch throwing it to a movie or something like that but you basically had to recreate a popular scene that that person would have been a part of so mm -hmm. it was a two-pronger we had a bit of a mixed bag in terms of what people did so do you want to do high points low points sure yeah okay cool uh let's start with high points what uh, did you think high point for me was hoso absolutely yeah so hoso teratoma did sadako right sadako not kayako no the movie sadako versus kayako throws me off <laughs> yeah um, but she did sadako from the original ring the japanese yeah. ringu ringu yeah. yeah and it was so well done yeah it was immediately recognizable i think they just like hit every box in regards to this challenge mm -hmm. they embodied it so well um and i mean i think obviously they did because they they won absolutely. this challenge i will say my high point in terms of like the performers and who did what in the challenge would be victoria for doing yeah. the crypt keeper i thought that was so good i thought the giggles really hit it i thought the look was so good even though they lit it like dog shit <laughs> you know yeah. what though they usually like them really well so considering it's like one out of an entire season it, it's excusable i will say though like the paint was was rather muddy. Yes. muddy it was muddy and i just mean muddy in terms of not having a lot of like uh highlight to low light kind exactly of like yeah it was a very like middling sort of it was makeup like that she applied yeah it was like four colors all around the same tone so they just got kind of like washed into like one mauve blob under light exactly um but aside from that i will say my high point for the episode was just the entrance that coco had at the beginning of the episode oh my god coco kane our savior for the season yeah coming in in that bitchy corseted look <laughs> uh, that kind of cropped long sleeve it was outstanding and they came in and they just said disrespectfully which is Honestly, how I'm just going to start all potential confrontations. Yeah, it's from how now. I'm going to enter every room. Yeah, when I'm turning up the spice, uh, like in my own self. Yeah. Like, and I just mean, <laughs> you know, my own personal spice rack. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to incorporate the uh, the disrespectfully. Yeah, uh, exactly. Into my, into my oeuvre. The, yeah. the thing <laughs> is, though, like Coco was not wrong in any of no. um, their points. Like the points that Coco made. Coco, Avenge Melissa. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Coco. Coco was right, and then I I loved how Coco came in like blazing, and then like just like calmed it all down. Yeah, and honestly, for the sake of time, no low points. I loved it all. The right yeah. people went home at the end of the day, and I'm excited to see how the season wraps up. Yeah, season finale next week. Yeah, do you have so, anything else you want to add? I think that's it. Okay. Yeah, again, yeah, my low point, I guess, was maybe Eva using Mars Attacks as as a reference for the horror icon. I don't know. I don't really feel like Mars Attacks is horror, but it's maybe that's just me. horror adjacent. Yeah, you can yeah. argue that it is, uh, but that's just my own opinion. I get that. Um, okay, well, we'll see how it wraps up. I'm 
I'm excited. I think the right people are in the finale. I hope Victoria gets it. I think Victoria is going I to win. Victoria Elizabeth Black's going to get it. Yeah. We shall see. We shall see. We also just got our tickets to the Dragula tour. So yes, we did. April. Can't wait. It's going to be fun. Um, but yeah, we do have to move on. So uh, look, you know, you can probably feel like my gay urgency right now. Uh-huh. I, I'm getting very move on gay because <laughs> I have something very important to talk about. I know that we even alluded to it in the last episode of Spooky Gay Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing, we're going to talk about it. Um, but there's some big fucking news Huge. in the true crime world. Yeah. And we have been getting emails multiple times a day about this. And thank you to everybody who has reached out. Because e- even if you weren't the first, like, this is just so important. Like, it's really cool to hear from you all. And, and we always love it. So mm-hmm. here's the news. Um, you may remember back in July of 2021 on episode 147, a.k.a. Pickle Skunk, um, <laughs> I covered the case of the boy in the box. Yeah. It's like a, a notable true crime case. It comes out of Philadelphia in the USA and involves the unidentified uh, body of a young boy who was found dead in a J.C. Penny bassinet box back in 1957 mm-hmm. in a wooded part of the Fox Chase neighborhood. Now, for decades, folks have been trying to figure out the identity of the child who was believed to be about four to six years old around the time that, of their presumed murder. And I'm happy to report, um, and, and obviously I'm not the first, but happy to share the news that the boy in the box has finally been identified. Wild. Yeah. So the name of the boy in the box is Joseph Augustus Zarelli. He was born on January 13th of 1950. And like as we are releasing this right now, it, this was just announced a few days ago by Philadelphia police. So we're recording this on December 13th of 2022. This is happening in the early days of December. Um, now, Philadelphia police did not comment on who the parents of the boy in the box was, nor who they believe is responsible for his death. That still remains a mystery in the public eye. But this is a huge development iconic in every sense of the term although there is nothing iconic or even french iconic iconic um about the murder of a child but Mm -hmm. um the t is all of this came about due to familial dna so you've probably heard about this before in like the golden state killer case there's been a lot of other cases where familial dna like family members giving dna up um and then that leading to creating a family tree of a person who's ultimately guilty of a crime well that Um, was uh, my story last week oh yeah that, mm-hmm. that's the thing it's happening more and more and it turns out this process has actually been used to figure out who the boy in the box was because it turns out they had a dna sample that they were able to keep intact and that's ultimately what they ended up being able to link uh to their their current day family members who are still living now like the thing is as i said before the parents the family are not really being put out there in the spotlight um because the siblings are still living. I'm okay. sure they still have a lot of questions about what's going on because, you know, I don't know their situation. I don't know what they knew, what they didn't know, and that is totally their business. Both of their parents are dead, um, and that complicates things even more. And while police do have their suspicions about what happened to, uh, I was going to say the boy in the box, but I guess we can say now what happened to Joseph Augustus Zarelli, um, the thing is they will not be speculating publicly at this time fair enough it was confirmed that joseph never had a social security number though during his life which seems weird to me but i don't know how you all do things in the usa if i'm being honest like i didn't get my social insurance number card until i was 
later on. I don't know if they lost it and I got it again, but whatever. No, I think you have to apply for it to to work. So I don't think I didn't get mine until I was like a teenager. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but the thing is, I'm not sure what other information we will find out, if anything. But it's really cool that we're finally able to put a name to this child who had been referred to, like literally on their tombstone, as America's unknown child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, we will follow this case as we find out more. Um, but this is already just a huge break. Even if we aren't able to find out anything more as the public, this is just a really, it's really good to finally be able to connect this this grave with a name and with a family tree and you know if anything else for the people who are related to them to be able to mm -hmm. you know put some respect on their family member absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely um and, and you know of course a huge thanks goes out to all of the spooky bitches who reached out about this we have a plethora of articles that we could cite as the source but uh you know really i got a lot of the info in my bones at this point so there is one article that i did grab some uh some hard facts from so I will shout them out. Uh, that was ABC News's uh, Boy in the Box victim finally ID'd in Philadelphia's oldest unsolved homicide case, published by Emily Shapiro on December 8th of 2022. Um, but it's pretty cool. Now, of course, I will say uh, there are still uh, active tip lines that are open for any information on, uh, you know, like any like leads on what happened to the Boy in the Box. Mm -hmm. um, I need to really adjust my thinking because we know his... His name finally but uh if anybody does know of any tips uh to be called in you can of course contact uh the tip line at 215-686-TIPS that's 215-686-8477 cannot guarantee whether or not this is still active in 2026 when you are potentially listening to this right but uh yeah that's it for now wild right very wild so identified oh. but the case it still remains unsolved absolutely um but it's just yeah it it never ceases to amaze me the what familial dna is doing for so many cold cases like this i don't know it's wild and i, I mean know. it's just gonna get it's just gonna get better and better i think in regards to like the technology and the advances that forensic science is making so fingies crossed hell yeah yeah anyway i would to everybody who uh sent that into us again all right now uh we are going a little bit late i know but there is some iconic stuff to cover uh you, we do have one more thing to talk about before we get into it though tyler do you have any housekeeping or oopsie poopsies that you need to get out of the way i do actually oh okay so, he has the finger pointing up in the air <laughs> yes yeah, so business. you know what i mean business you got that business finger um but you know about this johnny because i already told you about it and i think i've just forgotten to uh, update the spooky bitches about it but we got an email uh recently from a spooky bitch named Julia who had some insight into uh, the Soyuz 11 disaster that I talked about back on episode 207. Oh, yeah. And if you remember in that episode, I was kind of speculating why the crew changed. So if you remember, there was an initial crew that was supposed to go into space yes. that didn't. And I didn't know exactly why. And I presumed that because a crew was trained together, that if one person couldn't go, then none of them could go. And then a crew that had trained together would go in their place aka i'm gonna turn this car around logic <laughs> exactly yeah. um but i guess according to julia that's not necessarily true so julia says that uh 
they have a friend who uh, is in the Russian military and works as a aerospace engineer. Whoa. And they had some insight into why this may have happened in regards to uh, the Soyuz 11 disaster. So Julia says, according to him, his original crew, or sorry, uh, one of the first crew members, Aleski Leonov, wrote a couple of biographies. And according to him, his original crew had to be replaced due to their multiple interactions at the... Uh, Baconer launch site. Sorry, I'm probably botching that pronunciation. Yeah. Um, but she said, uh, so the fear was that if a Valeria Kabaskov had tuberculosis, he would have infected other crew members, which of course would have been a big problem. So according to my friend, the protocol now, and even back then, it usually is to replace the sick or unable crew member unless his potential or confirmed illness is infectious and can compromise all of the crew. Okay. So training is usually pretty costly, and while T dynamic is essential it would be acceptable to swap one person kind of last minute if they had to okay so basically if one person is sick with a potentially infectious illness then everybody has to uh abort mission just because if you're in space you're gonna have a hard time getting to the hospital totally you know so i don't know that's really that makes total sense so uh, thank you julia for reaching out with that insight and thank you julia for asking your uh your your uh aerospace engineer friend for their insight yeah so cool yeah so cool thank you for the hookup with the info we love it all right well i don't have any oopsie poopsies or cool addendums to share so uh do you have any housekeeping uh no housekeeping cool other than the fact that if you're on the secret society we do have a new book for book club Mm -hmm. that we're going to be reading over the holidays and we'll be meeting to talk about at the end of january that is a dark room in uh glitter ball city get into it it's gonna be a lot of fun can't wait to get uh reading it we just had our most recent book club meeting and that's where we chose the title uh Mm -hmm. that we're gonna be reading next and yeah love the book club if you don't know what we're talking about go over to patreon.com slash that's spooky and you can learn all about it that's right all right well uh i guess we can just get into it then let's get into it Cool. so you're kicking us off this week right yes i am beautiful and this is a topic that i have been dancing around for quite some time and it's a topic that you might be familiar with i think a lot of people might be familiar with it with this topic Mm -hmm. but i only knew it kind of on the surface level i didn't know all the nuts and bolts to it but today i'm going to be talking about the legend of overturn bridge do you know her Okay, well, the name doesn't sound familiar, but what's what's the vibe? Okay, so that name probably doesn't sound familiar. Yeah. But I bet you the uh, dog suicide bridge... Oh, my God, yeah. ...maybe does ring a bell. Oh, the saddest bridge of them all. Super or, sad or, bridge. I mean, one of the saddest It's a pretty bridges. sad bridge. I mean, but yeah. 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 Absolutely. Now, with that being said, there is going to be uh, some some talk of suicide throughout this topic, yeah. given the nature of it. Um, we're and, not going into deep detail yeah. into it necessarily. I'll give a trigger warning if it's necessary, when it's necessary. Um, but but not just suicide, dog suicide. Dog suicide. And there, there's a whole 
yeah, there's a lot to get into yeah. in regards to it, but I just want to let you know that that's a word that we're going to be throwing around. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, Overturn Bridge, it's located in Dunbartonshire, Scotland. Okay. And it crosses deep a deep ravine that leads straight to Overturn House. Now, Overturn House was built in 1862 as a private residence for a man named James White. And although there is a statue of James White in somewhere in Glasgow, uh, he really isn't all that interesting, at least not in my opinion. Okay. Uh, he was a lawyer and a businessman who came from generational wealth, and the family made all of their money uh, on a chemical Oh. And manufacturing snooze fast right yeah meh, meh, meh. i know right yeah. yeah snooty snooze fast exactly so j and j white chemicals was founded by uh, james white's father and his uncle in the 1820s and it just made the family uh, a ton of money and all tea it also contributed to a lot of chemical waste that would take more than a century to clean mm-hmm. so uh thanks a lot for that yeah um now <laughs> Nepo babies like James White, like I said, they're not really all that interesting. Sorry about it. However, what is interesting is the overturned estate and the legends that surround it. Mm-hmm. So during James White's lifetime, the overturned bridge did not exist. It was just overturned house, which he had built somewhere around like the, I think maybe the 1860s. Okay. Uh, either way, after his death in 1884, James White's son, John White, decided to build the bridge in the, in the 1890s, uh, basically to extend the estate's driveway over the ravine below. Mm-hmm. It's in a pretty secluded area, if if I haven't made that very clear. It's kind of like a very like a countryside estate. Yeah. Very she 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 yeah but like in the worst way possible yeah, yeah exactly because yeah, there's like she 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 and then there's bleh. then there's like also the kind of she 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 that like came up to me at that wedding in august in a really stuffy place and was like it's really brave that you wore shorts i know yeah remember that yeah, yeah you got redford wearing shorts to a wedding yeah you were the only one not sweating well and and that was uh yeah yeah that was the tea Enough said about that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> just stiffening up, thinking about some guy who was probably named Biff. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, his name might have been John White or James White. Totally, yeah, <laughs> it's very possible. Yeah, a couple anyway, of whiteies. That's right. Anyway, this bridge that was built, it was built to uh, create a new access into the estate and also to, like I said, elongate the driveway. And it was built from rough-faced. Ashler. Now, okay. Ashler, Ashler is exactly what you would imagine if you pictured a castle. Like if you imagine a castle's built out of these big rectangular bricks, mm-hmm. that's basically Ashler. And uh, the rough face probably just means that the outward-facing sides of the brick were not smoothed uh-huh. down. That also sounds like a horrible nickname that a kid would have: rough-faced Ashler. <laughs> yeah. I feel so bad for rough-faced Ashler. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I hope rough-faced Ashler's doing well. Look, this is coming from old double toilet John can over here yeah like, i feel like we would have had a kinship rough rough faced ashler and, and john <laughs> yeah. can ashler would yeah. be a cool name though. oh hell yeah i like that fuck yeah uh, anyway the, the this bridge had somewhat of a garrison aesthetic to it or has because it's still standing today a garrison aesthetic to it okay which is enhanced by the uh, bartizans that run along the outer wall what are those uh those are basically the the 
the overhangs that you would see like in a castle. Okay. Yeah, so you would have like a castle tower yeah. and then that tower would have like a little baby tower sticking out of it. Yeah, yeah. And then it would go up, maybe be a little bit higher. It might have like a peak to it or it might have like battlements, which is that like square notchy top of a castle. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what a partisan is. And I love it. No, I just love when you explain castles to me. Okay, great. Yeah. You're the castle ghost queen. Right? Of, of yeah. This home. And Thank clearly, you. I know architectural languages very well. Thank clearly you. Clearly, so well. Yeah, clearly, you're a medieval architect. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, these partisans, uh, they're at multiple points throughout this bridge, mm-hmm. and they are actually topped with the battlements. So it does have that kind of square, notchy castle top aesthetic love it and honestly if you're having a hard time picturing it just uh, google, google it. it yeah um but basically this bridge is over a ravine and the ravine has uh, is 40 feet below Whoa. so from the bridge is a 40 foot drop and the ravine itself also patches through a tall arched underbelly of the bridge it's a pretty impressive thing to look at i'm kind of imagining the factory that they're in in blair witch 2 book of shadows maybe that's just my trauma oh yeah kind of like that you know but... where the girl walks backwards along the bridge yeah he brought something back with you i will never stop mentioning that but it, yeah it, i totally see what you mean it in my is kind of like that but just like much more architecturally like impressive yeah way more sexy Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Very sexy. Now, the construction of the Overturn Bridge was completed in 1895. And for decades after that, it was really just another bridge. But by the 1950s, Overturn Bridge developed a very spooky and unsettling reputation that still defines it to this very day when people began to report that dogs were jumping off the Overturn Bridge into the ravine Mm -hmm. now many of the dogs who leapt off uh overturned bridge had unfortunately jumped to their deaths and like so many legends the canine disturbances at overturned bridge were not properly documented and so the phenomena was more or less recorded by word of mouth and from that the legend of overturned bridge grew and at some point it started being referred to as the dog suicide bridge Mm -hmm. now we don't know the exact numbers of dogs that have been affected by this bridge due to uh overturns remote location and the lack of proper documentation but it's believed that at least 50 to 100 dogs have died after jumping off the bridge since the 1950s although it's been reported that more than 600 dogs have jumped from the bridge and survived where where their like fall would be cushioned by the greenery below Uh so a 40 foot drop but if they kind of got scooped up by some trees it wouldn't be a fatal fall totally now poor puppies it's really a horrifying thing to imagine yeah like i would never want to go in that water Mm -hmm. do you know how sad that is that is the saddest water i have ever heard of yeah yeah the saddest little stream yeah just filled with dead puppies oh now the spooky thing is, although a uh, water uh, uh, <laughs> a little stream filled with dead puppies is pretty freaky. That is pretty freaky. That could be a new Blair Witch movie. It really could. Uh, the thing is, though, most of these incidents 
played out exactly the same way. Like this wasn't just like, oh, all of these strange things are happening. Mm -hmm. It's this strange thing is happening to multiple dogs, but it's happening in the exact same way. So basically this is what would happen. Dog owners would be walking the grounds with their dogs and everything would be totally fine. Mm -hmm. The dogs would be behaving just as they normally would, but all of that would change when the people and their dogs began to cross the bridge. All of a sudden, the dogs would be roused without uh, really any provocation. Like, they would not be provoked, Mm -hmm. but they would just start running towards the edge of the bridge and in the direction of the house. The thing is, they wouldn't make it across the bridge. Instead, they would veer right towards the final bartizan, and without hesitation, they would jump up between the the battlements and then leap into the ravine, sometimes to their deaths. (sighs) This would happen so fast that the dog owners would not even have any time to react. Of course. And in an instant, their dog would be gone. Now, as you can imagine, this would be a horrifying experience for anybody who witnessed that, especially the dog owners. Even if the dogs did survive, it would be a pretty traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. And in the early days, like people might have been able to explain this away as some sort of freak accident. But it started happening so much and it started the scenario started playing out in the same way so many times that the bridge did eventually earn its very deserving name. The dog suicide bridge. Yeah. Now, obviously, over the last 70 years or so, people have been wondering, why the fuck was this happening? Because the thing is, this hasn't stopped. It's still happening today. And there are are quite a few theories about this. So so let's buckle up. The first theory, and perhaps the most widely accepted theory, is that something supernatural is going on. Mm -hmm. Now, Overturn Estate is not encapsulated by centuries of bloody violence, treason, and political deceit like so many other historical properties throughout uh, the European continent are. And by comparison, Overturn Bridge isn't really that old, having been built in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Now, John White, who commissioned the construction of the bridge, was Overturn's first and only baron. His wife, Grace Eliza McClure, was the first and only Lady Overturn. Now, John and Grace never had any kids, and so the property did fall out of the White family pretty fast. Okay. John White died in 1908 at the age of 64, and Grace stayed at Overturn for another eight or nine years after that, before moving back to their fo- formal home in Dumbarton named Crosslet House. Well, don't worry. I'm sure another White family found the manor <laughs> after them. They sure did. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, Grace herself, she died in 1931 at Crosslet House at the age of 86 but some people say that grace returned to overturn castle after her death and may be responsible for all these dogs deaths oh my god what a thing to pin on a dead woman not (laughs) only has she (laughs) done some light traveling in the afterlife to go back to a place that she formerly lived at because you know i totally i'm gonna do the old home reunion tour when i die sure um but she also went back with the sole intent of killing some puppies well Well, yeah, some people think so. Okay. Uh, Some say that Grace's ghost, often called the White Lady of Overturn, is responsible for coaxing these dogs off 
the ledge. What? She's just like under the bridge with like a snossage or something like that. <laughs> yeah. She's got like a hot rod. Yeah. Or something. She's just standing there with a bag and strip dangling it over the edge. Oh my God. I'm never going to think about the song under the bridge by the red hot chili peppers again. Yeah. Fair like, enough. I know that it's a really sympathetic view of people who are without homes and, you know, dealing with addiction potentially. But now I'm going to think about this bitch down there with a the bag and strip. Yeah. It could be ghost dog killers. Go uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. Good boy. Yeah. So yeah. some people do think it's it's kind of like that sort of a situation. The thing is, though, there really is no evidence that uh, Lady Overturn Grace disliked dogs in real life. Okay. Um. So people are like, why? Yeah. Why would she do this? Yeah, that's a big old question mark. Uh huh. Uh, the thing is, though, some people just really haven't stopped speculating that she is somehow responsible for sending more than 600 plus dogs flying off of the bridge they're like fucking cat people yeah they're like logic does not apply yeah it's definitely this ghost lady she's doing it yeah totally it's not just that like the whole place smells like dead (laughs) rabbits it's totally the fact that there's a ghost with like a plethora of liver treats Uh, (laughs) who's like come on down here yeah exactly right totally yeah she's got the rope toy she listens she knows all the tricks hell yeah she's got a kong with peanut butter in it and it's been in the freezer exactly. yeah she's got the different sizes she's good to go uh-huh yeah, yeah. now uh as plausible as all of that may be uh those who do not believe that the white lady of overturn is purposely leading dogs to their deaths still think that she might be maybe indirectly responsible for their deaths when dogs sense their presence they may become overwhelmed by the energy that she is emitting like she's just like too much for this world Uh and that is maybe what causes these dogs to jump to their deaths maybe the dogs are just like i can't handle you girl everything is okay and then all of a sudden they're like (laughs) and then they jump (laughs) off the bridge they all become scooby-doo suddenly they're like yeah exactly right it's just like girl you're too much yeah uh (laughs) yeah for real like you didn't have to do all that yeah The thing is, though, even if the spirit of Grace Eliza McClure is not responsible for these dogs' deaths, which I don't necessarily... I I don't see a reason why she would be. Yeah, no. Um, It is believed, however, that Grace's spirit still haunts the overturned estate, even if she isn't the one uh, fucking with the dogs. Okay. But... According according to the estate's current owners, uh, pastors Bob and Melissa Hill from Texas, uh-huh. uh, the house is certainly not haunted. Okay. In a 2019 interview with Amelia de Moldenberg from Vice Media, the Hills claimed that they have never experienced any paranormal activity in the house or on the property in their 20 plus years living at Overturn. However, both Pastor Bob and Pastor Melissa said that they have had individual experiences with angels on the property. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a ghost of a different ilk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No ghosts, but lots of angels. Unfortunately, they're not biblically accurate angels. Oh, fuck. Because that truly would be terrifying. Just a ring of eyeballs. Yeah, exactly. Just descending upon your bed. Can you imagine? I mean, if a dog saw that, I could imagine that they'd flee in fear. A seraphim? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That would be wild. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, according to the pastors, uh, the, these angels are more so just like 
really big impressive humans no they're like about they're they're glowing they're angelic and they're like nine feet tall i like to think of the eyeball with wings i do too okay. yeah and basically they're just like pass on heavenly messages being like god is good blah 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 all that stuff oh snooze yes yeah. okay take uh-huh. your adult contemporary angels and go <laughs> elsewhere yeah. yeah go listen to enya somewhere hell yeah uh now ultimately the hills <laughs> angelic encounters aren't aren't really all that pertinent <laughs> we love enya we love every Everyone, we're we not do. we're not angry. I love Enya. Yeah, Enya yeah. is the only person, so far as I understand, that has recorded a studio song in Elfish. That's pretty fucking cool. Man, that's way cooler than recording in like the sim language. Yeah. Sorry, Natasha Bedingfield. <laughs> Sorry about it. Yeah. Maybe Anya should do a sim song. Enya? Yeah, sorry. Maybe Enya should do a sim song. Yeah, that totally. would be good. Call up Anya, do a collab. I love this. <laughs> I love the sim Enya covers. Keep them coming. Okay. All right. Now, uh, like I was saying, ultimately the hills angelic encounters really aren't all that pertinent to the legend of the, the overturned bridge or why so many dogs have met their demise by jumping off of the bridge. Mm-hmm. The ghost of Lady Overturn might be to blame but people believe that other supernatural entities are at play namely fairies oh fairies fairies spirits spirits dog hating fairies dog hating fairies now i feel like Disney, Neopets, and Skydancers have really kind of warped people's perspectives on what a fairy is or what a fairy can be. Yeah, it was the Skydancers for me. Totally. And although fairies can definitely be majestic, benevolent beings, in much of Scottish folklore especially, fairies can really be quite the opposite. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, fairies can really fuck your shit up they can be malevolent beings who just really enjoy toying with humans you see it referenced a lot in shakespeare actually totally look remember when i talked about the uh the newfoundland hag yeah uh, and like the fairies that basically like trap you into her spell fairies are up to some shit not just salty maritime fairies all of them yeah they can be really unforgiving and, and relentless in how much they like fucking with humans. And some people think maybe by extension, because fairies do like fucking with humans so much, maybe they also like fucking with per, uh, a person's most treasured companion, dogs. Of course. And so because of this, some people do think that maybe mischievous fairies are responsible for coaxing these dogs off of the ledge. It's just the Spice Girls with the begging strips. Oh my god. Yeah, it's the Viva Forever music video. Except they're coaxing dogs to their untimely demise. Yeah. Which honestly, (laughs) that video is dark anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah, because they do kind of kill a child. They absolutely do. And if they don't kill the child outright they definitely keep it captive in another dimension well i mean you know what swing big spice girls <laughs> right <laughs> they have a rather saccharine image yeah to, to break apart and, that's it and that's their business to dismantle exactly i don't yeah. know i loved that video Get i still yeah. do oh man it was like one of the more metal things that they've ever done yeah 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 it's pretty badass yeah <laughs> who knew they like lulled us into like not thinking about it and then all of a sudden bang they kill a child in a music video (laughs) yeah that's hardcore they're like jerry's gone child is dead hell yeah jerry was the only thing holding us back from taking our true form (laughs) which was as a cult of child Uh killing fairies (laughs) exactly wow holla 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 come on come on yeah fists fairies and satan service (laughs) 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 
this. Yeah. I love it. I need yeah. a fist shirt right now. Hell yeah. <laughs> We're adding that one to the merch uh, to the merch shop at some point. Fairies <laughs> in Satan's service. That's so fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so some people think <laughs> that it's maybe fairies, you know, fists that are fucking with these dogs. Yeah. And in fact, the, the, the area of Overturn, the, the the land where the estate is built, it does have some re- relationships to fairies in local folklore. Mm-hmm. It's a little fissy. It's a little fissy. It sure is. So uh, back in the 18th century, there were encounters, reported encounters with fairies in Overturn. And the earliest story that I'm aware of came from a man named McTavish who claimed that he had spent a night in Overturn just drinking it up with fairies. Oh. Like just whooping it up. Dang. And then when he woke up in the morning, it, he was alone and the fairies were gone. No, you can't fake whooping it up. You really can't. Vicky Gumbelson has taught us. He might have eaten some weird mushrooms though. Oh. That would happen. Really? Hell yeah. Norse mythology, like uh, Vikings, yeah. they got real fucked up before they were going to battle. Oh, shit. They'd eat, like, they'd take like hallucinogenics. The original microdosers. Like, yeah. They'd act that. like wolves and shit just so that they could just go and rape and, and pivot, pillage. And sh- rape and pivot and then be like you know what i need to change my life they really sh- they're I like mean, they're yeah. like you know what i'm doing more harm than good truly they're yeah. brutal yeah well it's like oof, y'all yeah. just need to calm down yeah okay the thing is somewhat related to fairies there's also another theory about what's going down at overturn bridge and that is that some people believe that overturn bridge might be a thin place mm-hmm. have you ever heard of thin places kind of like where uh there's like a thin veil between this dimension and the next exactly yeah exactly yeah i i think i kind of touched on it when i talked about that old couple that thought they got sucked into a portal totally yeah yeah now when i was looking up thin places it seems to be referenced a lot like biblically mm-hmm. in relationship to oh it's a place where like you're closer to god but to sort of like take any kind of uh biblical connotation away from this theory of thin places it's basically a place that's just like bustling with energy i get that like really full of energy and just like you said there are places where the veil between this world and maybe another world or another dimension or whatever is really thin yeah to the point that the lines could actually be blurred but if that means that you're closer to god then that's fine you're just where the higher hair is it's true yeah Yeah. um so basically to go a step deeper thin places it's said also have the ability to draw you into itself and sort of transport you into another world Mm -hmm. and this transportation isn't necessarily like a literal one a person or maybe even a dog may perceive the world beyond our own through their senses which may become supercharged in the presence of this like ethereal power or just this energy that's all around them it's just like the Blair Witch Project 2 book of shadows just like it absolutely and basically this energy this power Power, whatever it is, it may be strong enough to compel us, and it may be strong enough to compel a dog or or any living creature. But this is also where I kind of start to get confused a little bit about thin places, and I feel like I need to do more research. And if anybody has insight, I, I would love your input. But from what I what I've read and from what I understand, thin places are are considered to usually be like pretty tranquil places, not very chaotic places. It's kind of like places where 
good things tend to happen okay. rather than negative things. But maybe thin place is, is just not exactly the right definition to describe what people think is happening at Overturn. Or maybe my understanding of thin places is just more narrow. But that's just based off of the research that I've done. But again, I think that's because I keep seeing thin places come up in references to like heaven and earth and and god and and that kind of thing totally but i mean if it's like anything there's a balance right if there's good then there's also bad so if there are good thin places then there must be bad thin places right yeah i don't know i'm just kind of theorizing here and i I don't really have any answers for this but basically this is the explanation that some people think some people think because this area is supercharged with this energy this energy might literally be causing the dogs to react in such a way and send them flying off of the bridge that is intense very intense yeah now before we deviate from the supernatural too much to explore some more science-based explanations as to what might be going on at overturned bridge i do want to take a moment to talk about a man named paul owens okay paul owens is from glasgow and is perhaps the most versed person in the history of the dog deaths and the accidents at overturned bridge owens researched this phenomena for more than a decade and ended up publishing his findings in a book titled the baron of rainbow bridge overturns death leaping dog mystery unraveled okay we'll we'll massage the name a little bit later <laughs> it's, it's a big name yeah but johnny the the cover of this book is absolutely amazing really i have to show it to you just oh, give God. me one second to pull this up okay what level of illustration do we depict the dog suicide in how cartoony is it oh or is honey it not it's not cartoony no but... is it like a Hieronymus bosch painting <laughs> like no. what level of artistry are we talking about here um how many typefaces are on it oh let's see one two three. Oh. okay that's that's the maximum well i mean that's okay so that's okay are any of them comic sans None. Or sand? None. But as you can see, graphic design <gasps> is definitely oh, their passion. My, yes. And I'm not even being like cheeky about this. <laughs> like, it's amazing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh. It's great. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like. Baron of Rainbow Bridge. It's like up there with Anamorph book covers oh, for me beyond animorphs yeah at this point it's really I mean, really great we've got dogs uh, jumping to their fate uh we have a man dressed as a lovely mall magician i'm so, assuming that's the baron yes that's someone's grandpa the baron uh-huh. is it prince charles i don't think so is it Pri- oh no i don't think they would be no, able to get away with that absolutely not yeah this is like alamy stock photos but then grandpa there's, number five there's also a rainbow there is there is a rainbow and there's mist and um <laughs> there's what looks to be the american horror story font yeah um, at the bottom potentially you know it's it's a moment it is a moment i don't need to describe it any further yeah. we're gonna post that on instagram we absolutely will absolutely. and uh if you if you can't wait for the post just look it up yourself the baron of rainbow bridge <laughs> yeah it's iconic it is iconic 
Now, I wasn't able to get my hands on a copy of this book, unfortunately, in time for this episode. Mm -hmm. But it's my understanding that Paul Owens does believe that there are supernatural forces behind the strange happenings at Overturn Bridge. Despite any scientific explanation, Paul argues that Overturn historically has been cloaked in a blanket of supernatural activity. And he's actually the person who I I learned that uh, story about McTavish uh, encountering the fairies at Overturn back in the, the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And Paul Owens himself claims to have had a supernatural experience on the bridge back in 2007. So Owens said that he had been visiting the bridge to take photos of his, for his book, and he was in the company of a friend when who he... I hope is the magician. <laughs> I truly hope that's <laughs> yeah. who I'm going to imagine in the story. Yeah, his yeah. friend dresses the magician yeah. as the Baron. Yeah, the magician. Baron. Yeah, Baron slash magician. Magician. Yeah, magician. Thank you. You're welcome. But Owens was on this bridge. He was with his friend. His friend wasn't near him at the moment that this particular incident happened. But while he was standing on the bridge, Owens said that he felt an invisible finger poking and prodding him in the back. And it was almost like it was trying to coax him towards the edge of the bridge. Now, Owens has no logical explanation for what he had encountered, but he wonders if the thing that poked him might be what is compelling these dogs to jump off the bridge without a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to hear more about Paul Owens' research into the Overturned Bridge, I encourage everyone to listen to his interview with another podcast called Strange Phenomenon. Okay. They sit down with him for an hour and they shoot the shit about Overturned Bridge. You may also want to consider grabbing a copy of his book, yeah. which is available, I think, directly through him on his website. And look, the joy that I derived from the cover artwork has nothing to do with the quality of his work or who he is as a person, etc. Yeah. I'm, I'm making no value judgment through um, my enjoyment of the cover artwork. That's it. Yes. You can't judge a book by its cover, but also the book cover has given me so much joy. It's a joy generator. That I feel like... Uh, I would be interested in reading more about this story. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, though, we spent a fair amount of time now talking about what otherworldly forces may be responsible for all of these dogs jumping off of the bridge. Yeah. But now I think it's time that we start to look into some of the more scientific explanations about what could be going on. Totally. They're like, well, there is a block of barbecue restaurants <laughs> just down. Yeah. Well, the- well, this is the thing that actually literally is the first explanation. And it's it's in regards to dogs ability to smell really 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 fucking well Mm -hmm. like fleetwood's a hound dog we take him outside he follows his nose oh yeah his eyesight is like secondary to his his nose oh yeah like he goes where his nose goes and if his nose led him off a bridge he might go off a fucking bridge sometimes he just tries to dart into the street because he smells something that is of interest exactly that is why fleetwood is a leashed up puppy when he's outside 100 percent. so because of this because of dogs ability to smell so well some people think that the, the dogs might be smelling something under the bridge that is literally coaxing them off of the edge uh-huh most people point to the fact that it might be mink 
or other form of wildlife. Sure. So they're just picking up on this trail of things moving down below, and then they're following it. Uh, they're also saying that because of the the way that the bridge is built, the structure, the walls, they're not super high, but they are, are low enough that a dog could leap over, but they're also low enough that you can see some of the treetops of the trees that are surrounding it. And some people think that dogs might be perceiving that as bush and think there's ground on the other side of the bridge. So when they catch this smell of maybe a mink or some other form of wildlife, they might chase it and they leap over the bridge thinking that there's just ground on the other side. But once they're over the bridge, they realize there is no ground, but it's too late and they're falling. Poor little babies. I know, right? The thing is, though, not everybody believes that this is a logical explanation, that dogs are are picking up on a scent and following it off of the bridge. And that's due to the fact that the ravine is uh, so far down from the bridge that some people argue that the scent from the wildlife under that were passing under the bridge just wouldn't be strong enough at the top of the bridge to compel a dog to act so excitable. Okay. And because of this, some folks believe that dogs are compelled to leap maybe by a sound or a frequency that cannot be registered by human beings. Uh, basically, some people are like, maybe the, the, there's a sound of wind blowing through the battlements or some feature on this bridge that is is creating the sound that's just kind of driving dogs wild. Like a dog whistle. Ooh. Exactly. Uh, admittedly, it is strange that the dogs are all jumping from the same bartizan, and so this explanation that it might be a frequency caused by something within the architecture, it's really not a bad theory, uh, but it, it still sounds like a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, it's really just unexplainable. But I guess really every explanation sounds a little bit far-fetched in regards to this this case because it has not been solved and it's it's a really hard to believe that this is happening in the first place. Absolutely. The thing is though, it definitely is happening. Like this is a real thing. Even if the numbers are exaggerated, there are still people who have witnessed this strange phenomenon. There are still people alive today who have had dogs do this some of them have survived some of them have not Mm -hmm. and then you also have the overturned owners the hills who have had people come to their door from time to time asking for help because their dog or maybe somebody else's dog has jumped off of the bridge yeah god that would be horrifying okay right yeah now one topic that uh, the discussion of this bridge really seems to strike is in relationship to animal suicide okay Uh, the fact that these dogs are jumping is a strange phenomenon it's really led people to question if it's even possible for a dog or any other animal for that matter to die by suicide oh yeah like are we just kind of projecting this like personification onto them exactly yeah exactly it's a good question yeah uh science has not really ever been able to prove or really disprove if a death by suicide is possible in any other species other than humans. But back in 2009, scientists were baffled by a series of cow deaths in Switzerland that sort of rings familiar in relationship to this topic. Now, according to the Daily Mail, in just three days, 28 cows and bulls appeared to have died by suicide after throwing themselves off of a cliff 
near a small village in the Alps. Holy shit. These cows plunged hundreds of meters to the rocks below, and obviously they were killed instantly on impact. Yeah. And so far as I understand, scientists were never able to determine exactly why the cattle threw themselves off of this cliff. But they do believe that maybe it it was not their intention to die and that some sort of evolutionary pressures may have caused them to behave in this way. Okay. So there was just kind of something happening that caused this sort of behavior. Um, You also may remember the old, old Disney documentary like nature documentary with the lemmings oh yeah jumping totally. off yeah and and they sold it like this is something that lemmings do mm-hmm. when in actual fact it's not i think they were sort of like coaxed off of the cliff by the filmmakers if i'm not yeah, mistaken yeah that's what i understand about that situation yeah so really in regards to these cows in switzerland we don't know what has caused these deaths but either way it's really really strange and it just goes to show that this kind of behavior is possible in many different species. But again, we don't really know what it is that's causing it. Maybe it's fairies. Yeah. I mean, hey, your guess is as good as mine at this point. Right. Now, unfortunately, these dog deaths are not the only tragic thing to have ever happened at Overturn Bridge. And it's at this moment that I just need to give a little bit of a trigger warning. Okay. We're going to be talking about uh, the death of a child okay. and also Ooh. the uh, attempted death by suicide of that child's father. Okay. So back in October 1994, a 32-year-old man named Kevin Moy threw his two-week old son off the bridge at the same like off overturned bridge at the exact same spot that the dogs tended to leap oh my god really yeah uh apparently after he threw his his son off the bridge he tried to jump after that into Uh the ravine but he was stopped by his wife his wife pulled him back bystanders attempted to rescue the baby but unfortunately he was fatally injured and died in the hospital the following day oh my god i if i were her i would have pulled him back so that i could have gotten one good shot in on his jaw right what the fuck yeah yeah like i'm not even trying to make light of this that's horrifying this is horrifying yeah yeah now uh, according to the man's wife whose name i believe was eileen there was no indication that uh, kevin moy wanted or would ever hurt their son up until that moment although it it, it was confirmed that he was struggling with depression at the time i think he had lost his job for one reason or another was going through a bout of depression he wasn't in in a good state of mind but also he didn't seem like somebody who was going to to do something as terrible as this Mm -hmm. now when kevin was pulled away from the bridge he was taken up to the house, the overturned house. And there he did grab a kitchen knife and he did try to slash his own wrists. Uh, Moments later, though, the police arrived and intervened and Kevin Moy was arrested. He was quickly admitted into a mental health facility to receive proper care. And in 1995, it was revealed that Kevin Moy came to believe that he was the Antichrist and that his son 
was Satan. Oh my God. He was sure that the devil had put a birthmark on his son's head and that he and his son were to blame for the Gulf War. He also feared that they would destroy the world by infecting mankind with a virus. And so Moy told police that he had to save the world by killing both himself and his son. Now, ultimately, Moy wasn't found guilty of murder because he was legally insane at the time of the murder. But this is one really true and tragic instance that happened at this bridge. And it just so happened to happen at the same place where all of these dogs are leaping to their deaths. Yeah. Now, because this tragedy happened, like I said, at the same part of the bridge, many people believe that these two cases might be linked, but obviously that cannot be confirmed. And I also think in situations like this, you just have to be careful about how much speculation you throw into into uh, cases like this. Yeah, for sure. Right? Because clearly this was somebody who was mentally ill and did need help and unfortunately didn't receive the help until tragedy had struck. Uh, The thing is, though, despite the theories that have been presented in regards to all of these things, no one knows to this day why so many dogs have jumped off of this bridge over the years. But like I said, it's still happening today. And if anything, maybe this is just a good reminder to always keep your dog on a leash, especially when you're on a bridge. Mm -hmm. And with that, that is the story of the legend of the Overturn Bridge. And now I just want to thank my sources. Thank you to... uh, HowStuffWorks.com for what's really going on at the Dog Suicide Bridge. That was written by Nathan Chandler, published December 30th, 2019. Thanks to AllThat'sInteresting.com for Inside the Mystery of Overturned Bridge, Scotland's Dog Suicide Hotspot. That was uh, written by Natasha Ishak and checked by John Karowski. Published March 28th, 2019 and updated August 15th, 2019. Thanks to ScottishDailyExpress.co.uk For Scotland's Dog Suicide Bridge is the world's most baffling mystery because we know it is still happening every year. That was written by Ben Borland, published August 27, 2022. Thank you as well to Vice and Amelia de Moldenberg on YouTube for the video, Why Are So Many Dogs Jumping Off This Bridge? This was a part of their series called Mystery Girl and was published December 30th, 2019. Thanks to Skeptoid.com for the article, The Suicide Dogs of Overturned Bridge, written by Brian Dunning, published July 24th, 2012. There's also an episode of the Skeptoid podcast about this, episode number 320. Thank you to the VintageNews.com for the article, A Dangerously Irresistible Smell, The Truth Behind the Seemingly Suicide Suicidal Dogs in Scotland, written by E.L. Hamilton, published December 5th, 2017. Thanks to DailyMail.co.uk for Moodunit, Mystery as a Herd of 12 Cows Jumped to Its Death Off a 50-Meter Swiss Cliff, written by Kelly McLaughlin, published June 5th, 2017. Thanks to DiscoveryMagazine.com for the article, Do Animals Commit Suicide?, written by Richard Pilardi, published August 11th, 2019. 
2021. And finally, thank you to uh, heraldscotland.com for the article, Father Who Threw Devil Baby from Bridge Sent to Carstairs. That was published uh, January 31st. 1995 all right thanks tyler you aren't welcome yeah because i know you're not sincerely thankful i'm not sincere <laughs> whatsoever um yeah yeah you. pretty horrifying topic yeah um hug your hug your doggies close absolutely give them give them big kisses yeah and tell them uh they're good boys yeah or, or good folks or, or, or good dogs however they express just themselves. tell them that they're a good dog all right well Let's move on, shall we? Let's do it. Cool. All right. So um, now, when this episode drops on the main feed, it is going to be our last episode before Christmas 2022. As we are recording this and this drops on the early feed, it is the day of my birthday. It is. Well, Happy birthday, Johnny. Thank you. It's the day before my birthday if we really want to be nasty about it. But yeah, I turned 34. Uh -huh. it's, it's really cute. It's you very exciting. See me. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> you should see me. <laughs> I've never looked cuter. Trust me. I'm, it's true you're looking real cute these you. days um but yeah basically when this drops on the regular regular feed it is going to be the last episode before christmas 2022 so i wanted to get this topic in today before the holiday arrived not only because it is festive in nature but also because i am sure that some of you have been naughty little bitches and not just in the crazy sexy cool way that we all aspire to uh -huh. <laughs> you know what i mean i'm talking about christmas naughty yeah yeah and that's totally different than the other kind of naughty that we all are on the inside it's true um but anyway basically uh you know some of you if you don't watch out if you don't straighten up and start acting right it's not really about straightening up anyway whatever i'm getting foolish um but if you start fucking around you might find out at the hands of some subterranean christmas goblins who i'm going to be talking about today I know, subterranean Christmas goblin. <laughs> what a vibe. <laughs> I feel like that's all of us during the last few years. True. Um, but yeah, anyway, this is according to Greek lore at least. So buckle up, slub puppies, because today I'm going to be talking all about the Calicanceroi. The Calicanceroi? The Calicanceroi. So K A L L I K A N T Z A R O I. All that's right. the plural. Right. The I at the end makes it plural. Well, I, I don't. Cancero is on its own. Right. Yeah. I don't know her, but I, I'm excited to get to know her. Well, get ready to fall in love because, as I said, these are some high end holiday goblins that you are going to want to know about, honey. So, the lore of the Calicanceroi originates in and around southeastern Europe, um, notably originating in Greece. Very she, 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 she. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, in and around the Balkan area. So, uh, iterations of the Calicanceroi can be actually found outside of Greece in places such as Bulgaria, Serbia, Turkey, uh, other Anatolian countries. We, we love that for them. Anyway, their legendary hijinks have been shared over the course of centuries, dating back, some believe, as far as the earliest days of Greek civilization. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, okay. like, Alti, I couldn't find an exact date, so we are kind of talking about a rather homogenous window of time here, but, like, at its heart, it's folklore. It originated as an oral tradition. Mm -hmm. So, as we were saying in your case, uh, where we were talking about fairies and the like, you know the name of the game there. Yes. The timelines can be a bit murky. Um, and the origin of the name Calicanceroi is also up to debate as well. Some people claim that the name comes from the Greek words uh, Kalos and Kentaros, uh, translating to beautiful centaur in English, which 
I'd claim it. Honey. Mm -hmm. But others do claim that it is Turkish in origin, coming from the words uh, Kara uh, Kondolojos, sorry, Konjolos uh, in Turkish, which translates to black bloodsucker slash vampire or werewolf. That sounds more goblin-esque. Yeah. I'm like, the thing is, though, regardless of what you want to call them, how you say they got their name, etc., the the ultimate little goblin dudes that we are dealing with are formidable little motherfuckresses. Mm-hmm. Sounds yeah. like it. As goblins tend to be. So it's true. The Calicanceroi are said to be small, impish goblins covered head to toe in black hair. There is no set standard for what they are said to look like, so regional variations do take place uh, spanning across those different areas that I talked about. Okay, so they're just like, they like to switch up their look. Yeah. You know, yeah. they don't want to be seen wearing the same thing twice. They're like Madonna. Constant reinvention, loves a makeover, <laughs> loathes hydrangeas. Yeah. But yeah, according to most accounts, though, they are like always said to resemble a small devil-like creature, much like Madonna. Um, with cloven <laughs> hooves, much like Madonna, long tails, much like Madonna, Madonna, as well as other common goblin adjacent animal features, sometimes sporting tusks, um, horse slash goat legs, or a rat tail much like Madonna. Um, there are a number of descriptions of the little beasts that also highlight their prominent goblin dicks, which is of note because yeah, <laughs> really? it's said that they are hung. Ooh. Yeah. They're hung and slung. <laughs> they're prominent goblin dicks. Prom yeah. Well, and you know what? Part of me would, uh, would like to imagine that maybe there is, you know, something on the flip side as well. And some of them just have like real fat vaginas as well sure yeah so that it's not just like a total subterranean sausage fest but uh, yeah, yeah um it is said that you know even like especially given their small stature it really puts it on display yeah like barker's beauties are basically presenting this thing it's <laughs> wild that's right people are uh, bidding on it at the showcase show hell now. yeah they're like what's the value uh -huh. priceless that's the thing but um the thing is like it it's actually in a lot of depictions of them that is why i i note it so when we post photos of these on social media are we gonna have to censor them no but you're probably gonna see some pipe okay you know just it's not a baby arm let's say that right all right now and in some versions of uh the retelling of their lore uh they are also said to have bad eyesight because the little duties live underground fair enough yeah so they're kind of like hedgehogs which kind of endears me to them in a way that's true todd you know what I mean? has a prominent dick He's got a very prominent little dick. And not in the sense that it's, like, outrageously large. It's just very there. Well, no, the Calicancer Warrior are hung. but Right. Yeah, but, yeah, like, bad eyesight, follows his nose, kind of cantankerous. It's it's Todd vibes it's all around. It's very hedgehoggy, yeah. Yeah, it kind of endears me to them. Anyway, on top of all of that, it's also said that they talk with lisps and that they subsist mostly on a diet made up of worms and frogs. Honey. They're sounding cuter by the second. Are they going to fall some? Fest? <laughs> what? Falsum Fest. Yeah. Yeah, they're hung with lisps. And they're hairy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and they are kind of nasty, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean... Get into it. Listen, it takes all kinds. Oh my God. Next year's Falsum. There's just... Um, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not <laughs> even going to say it. 
Oh, the Googling a certain subset of our listeners are going to be doing is just going to be wild tonight. All right. Yeah. Now, these little stinkers are said to only come out during Christmas season to spread their reign of foolishness. And I'm not going to say reign of terror. It's more like the gremlins. I'm going to say reign of foolishness. It's much more fitting and adorable. That but is. According to lore, they spend most of the year underground uh, because they are considered too evil to walk the earth. Ooh. So they live underground where, according to legend, they spend the better part of the calendar year sawing away way at the world tree which in a number of different mythologies refers to like a large tree which effectively supports the heavens world and known universe as we understand it absolutely yeah there's tons of mythologies is surrounded around trees the most notable one that i'm aware of is norse mythology but yeah i know it's prominent in many other other iterations well the whole idea is that these little mfs are underneath the ground and most of the year they are sawing away at the world tree until the joy and light of the holidays taking place on the surface of the world distracts them from their entire year of trying to undo the fabric of worldly <laughs> existence okay so uh basically uh they they like end up coming to earth because they are lured to the surface on december 20 25th and this is what allows the little fuckers to kind of cause their reign of foolishness they are okay. they come to the surface on december 25th and it's said that basically they then uh are out doing their thing until january 6th so epiphany or three kings day yeah and then, that's right old i think that's also old christmas day i, I think, think it's referred to as that yeah so basically the the veil thins and they come into the world yeah um, because they're like ooh shiny it's kind of like nightmare before christmas when he sees christmas town and he's like what's this it's very that it's totally yeah. that except they come and they cause a ruckus yeah and then basically on january 6th they're kind of like ooh we're tired we're all done and then they go back down because they remember that they've got the whole world tree to decimate oh the tree but then the whole thing is by the time that they get back down underground after january 6th the world tree has healed itself baby so it's another year of song for the Calicanceroy until they get to that end point again next December 25th and they get lured away by Christmas again. Oh. And that's the cycle that they live on. I'm just going to say the world tree, she works quick. Oh, hell yeah. It's like Freddy Krueger. It heals itself. It's true. Yeah. Well, actually, it's more like Wolverine. Yeah, totally. Like a, a cross of, yeah, of Wolverine and Freddy Krueger. I like that. Can you imagine? I, I can sleep at night. But yeah. Basically, they go back down on January 6th. They start their sawing back up and um, you know, they're back at it. I never said these goblins were geniuses. <laughs> I just said that they are uh, that they have fortitude. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They show up to work. <laughs> they show up to work with their Big dicks. Yeah, yeah, dicks swinging. All right, so I'm sure by this point many of you are like, well, Johnny, what do these stinky little babies, these hung little dudes uh, do when they make it to the surface of the world on Christmas? Yeah. Because um, it's not just like, you know, some foolishness as I've been saying, but they more so act like a pack of roving teenagers in a bad Halloween movie, if I'm going to be honest. Okay. It's said that they kind of just harass people in their homes. So um, do any of them have ice shaved into the back of their head? I'm sure they have, like, Mr. Cool Ice, like, shaved into them, like, that internet meme. You remember that guy, Mr. Cool Ice? 
with the tattoos. Oh, I do. Yeah, I do. That part. Um, but anyway, so back to the Calicanceroy, the Mr. Cool Ice of their time. Um, it's said that they like to roam around outside, and you're not in very good luck if you run into one outside. They really want to get you that way. But okay. um, if they're not able to fuck with anyone on, on the outdoor side of things, then they start harassing people in their homes. So they come out at night, and they basically try to get into people's homes and if they are successful in doing so they will get in they will create a mess they will gen just generally like disrupt the balance of your lovely holidays mm -hmm. like uh, it's stuff like if your veggies went bad unexpectedly you blame the calicanceroy is your dog acting weird you blame the calicanceroy stick on your valentino bag <laughs> you blame the calicanceroy yeah absolutely yeah. the next time i get lipstick on my mom's valentino bag i'm oh, my I know valentino who to blame. bag i know who yeah, to blame absolutely the calicanceroy but like yeah it's it's little stuff like that well i mean although your bag's your bag but um that is kind of the stuff that they get up to they're not gonna kill you but they'll make your milk go bad yeah they're gonna they're gonna fuck your shit up they're yeah. gonna inconvenience the hell out of you exactly so you got to keep them at bay and there is said to be a number of lines of defense that one can employ to keep the calicanceroy away from you so the best lines of defense are said to be leaving a colander out on your home's doorstep during the 12 days of christmas Hear me out. Tyler is popping the people's eyebrow at me. Uh -huh, I am. Um, yeah. But basically, this is meant to throw off the calicanceroy, as it's said that they will obsess over counting the holes in the colander. We've heard that that's a thing. It's like witches and grains of salt and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, or, yeah, you know, yeah. vampires and all that kind of stuff. Um, but basically, the colander will drive them wild because they will waste their entire night trying to count it and i know you might be like well colanders don't have that many holes but calicanceroy have this achilles heel where they can't say the number three so <laughs> it will trip them up because they'll be like one two and then they won't know where to go because ultimately according to lore it said that if the calicanceroy says the number three which is like god's number um they will then have to how do we say go to the go to that dog bridge Oh, they just cease to exist. Yeah. It's they, evil or nothing. Exactly. It's evil or nothing. Well, then they just need to come up with a new counting scheme. Exactly. Like, one, two, come on, Rue, three, four, crown this whore. But yeah, but they still can't say three. That's the thing. You said three. Oh, I did. You did. Yeah. You can't just take a Morgan McMichaels lyric and call it a, a day. Like, I'm sorry. Listen, I tried you to help. You just killed a calicanceroy. I tried to help. You got calicanceroy, big dick blood on your hand. That's yeah. What <laughs> Can I wash it off? At no, least? <laughs> no. You're like Lady Mbeth. Lady Mbeth. I still got that theater kid in me. I'm not going to say you it. You can't say the word. No, nah, but that's I'm a, in a great way to do it, Tyler. Yeah. Okay. So. Beth, ba, ba, do Beth. I won't lie. I saw a high school production of a, of Mbeth once. It was not the best. I've seen many productions of Mbeth. No, but they actually called it Mbeth. They were trying to be cute. Oh, they did. Yeah. Oh. I'm just going to say it again, like no disrespect uh, to the Shakespeare lovers out there. I just think that there needs to be an equivalent of a Disney vault for Shakespeare plays. I think <laughs> that we need to be like, okay, this is the year that we're bringing the Tempest out and people will be excited. You know, uh -huh. like Romeo and Juliet would have so much more stank on it if nobody could perform it for the next 25 years. And then all of a sudden they were like, we're bringing it out of the Shakespeare vault, people. I mean, that is an interesting thought, but it would yeah. be really hard to impose that. 
I gladly would. Cut me a check and I'll do it. Okay. All right. I'll be like Dog the Bounty Hunter, but in theater. <laughs> be a very well-dressed bounty hunter. Anyway, yeah. whatever. So back to the Calicanceroys. So uh, basically, the colander, total fail-safe. Love the whole counting defense. Yes. Another way that folks recommend to keep the Calicanceroy at bay is by burning a Yule log in their chimney, or as they call it in Greek, uh, the Crystalloxlio. I'm so sorry. Our Greek listeners, please teach me it's a challenging um, language christo oxlio uh c-h-r-i-s-t-o-x-y-l-o i even have a phonetic spell or a pronunciation of it here but i just i can't get it it translates mm-hmm. to wood of christ okay um and basically these little bitches uh will basically keep those little bitches out of your chimney um sorry. so all you need to do is get a little splinter of the cr- cross the that christ. jesus christ was easy Easy well, to get that. No, but it's like a spiky Yule log kind of thing. It's representative. It's like the body of Christ. Oh, you it doesn't have to Catholic, be like a little you know actual part. Thing. Yeah, but basically, if you burn the Yule log in your chimney for the twelve days following Christmas, you will totally keep them at bay because they like to attack homes via the chimney. But uh, you got to keep it burning, baby. Also, Yule wigs also effective. Yeah, we uh, we learned that Wow Presents on their streaming app has a Yule wig. Yeah, it's like the video fireplace, but it's literally a wig in the fireplace, and there's RuPaul music in the background. <laughs> it's fabulous. It's pretty cool. Regardless, the Calicanceroy would not be down with it, regardless of what is burning and what lovely music is playing in the background. They hate fire. They also hate the sun. That's why they are nocturnal. Mm -hmm. On top of that, it's also claimed that some people would throw old shoes in the fire, which allegedly adds to the stench of the flames, further repelling the goblins. Exactly. But do you think those nasty little MFs would love it? I would think so, right? That sounds like something that would be right up a goblin's alley. Right? That's just me, though, I guess. I I guess I'm not in the mind of a goblin. (laughs) yeah yeah totally we'll have to ask dina lohan what it's like um okay so oh man yeah the fucking burn central over here okay Uh yeah you can you can you can visit dina in the burn war yeah because that's where she's recovering send her some aloe yeah yeah that i'm not gonna say i punched down i'm not gonna say that i punched up I think that was a lateral punch. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say that I, but, but like, you know, some people listen to our show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, not going to say like, how no, does who Dina doesn't Lohan's listen to our show? Doing? At least not anymore. I don't know. Dina Lohan. Definitely. I'm, she's done. I'm so sorry, Dina Lohan. Yeah. I also don't know how her podcast is doing if she has one. I don't know either. I'm going to look into that. Okay. Um, back to the important goblins, though. So um, the thing is uh, you can light the shoe on fire. You can do any of that. You can also, on the flip side, use some holy water because allegedly mm-hmm. they hate holy water. So sprinkle it loud and proud around your home. Um, finally, you can use another religious adjacent way to keep them off your doorstep. Um, and this is drawing a black cross over your doorway on Christmas Eve, which in my opinion, opinion is the most metal way to go about this Sounds, yeah very I, that. i'd highly recommend it they also recommend burning incense which is lovely very mm-hmm. uh, and they also suggest that you can keep the jaw of a pig behind the front door of your home 
I, I don't know. I don't know what that does. That sounds like something nasty, and I think that's something that a nasty little goblin would be into. Yeah, exactly. I don't know about that last one, but I guess that just sends the signal that you are not to be fucked with. Maybe that's it, right? Yeah, totally. All right. Now, another interesting thing that I found when I was researching the Calicanceroi is that uh, there is some lore around children born in this window of the 12 days following Christmas, a.k.a. during the time that the Calicanceroi room the earth. That that's you. No, you, you, I'm not the 12. I, it's not the 12 days leading up to. Oh, the 12 days Christmas. after. It's the time that oh, the Calicanceroi are on the earth. Flipped and reversed. Okay, fair enough. I know, right? Yeah. So according to Calicanceroi lore, children who are born between December 25th and January 6th would be at risk of being Calicanceroi themselves as they come into adulthood, kind of transforming into them a la werewolves oh my god what like, a terrible legacy like christmas werewolves it's like sabrina gets to be a witch i get to be a fucking goblin With a big dick goblin yeah i know what she's been goblin <laughs> <laughs> thank you lorraine <laughs> yeah Kelly. thank you all right now um the thing is the afflicted person would then turn back to their human form after the 12 day period although it is said that the way to ensure that this doesn't happen is to lightly singe the child's toenails or bind them with straw or garlic singe yeah like you know just burn the kids toenails that sounds like the worst thing ever like would highly not recommend ever doing that i'd rather be a fucking goblin that's called child abuse you yeah. will turn your child into a goblin if you try to light their toes on fire right yikes yeah that's their goblin origin story Ugh. yeah so another thing to throw in while we are talking about some uh, outlier facts is that i did see that some sources claim that if you are out at night and the calicanceroi catches you unaware they will force you to dance with them until you pass out and die whoa just Isn't like that the, wild yeah that's just like the musical episode of buffy the vampire slayer oh really mm -hmm. there's mm. a demon that makes them sing a dance until they die oh my god see for me i was likening it to that friend that when you're going out there just like i just want to go dancing i just get my life on the dance floor yeah. you know that kind of thing <laughs> yeah that too but then they're so intense about it that they actually die yeah. i mean i've never experienced that oh you know when that happens <laughs> oh no no it's never not happened okay. to you just me no no just me okay um okay anyway other versions of the calicanceroy lore also include them mimicking the voices of people's loved ones this Ooh. is in, in an effort to lure them out of their homes deep into the woods where it's then said that they are forced to do the bidding of the calicanceroy which from my understanding mostly involves carrying them around <laughs> Yeah. Which is kind of adorable, but then you, oh, no way. You have a huge dick on your head. Oh, yeah, that's embarrassing. Oh, my God. You have to, like, carry this little goblin on your shoulder and wear their dick as a hat. That is <laughs> not cool. Um, but, yeah, I guess you just do their bidding and whatever that means. It It is what it is. It kind of reminds me of that Underwear Gnomes episode of South Park where yeah. the, the gnomes are, like, stealing the <laughs> underwear and then they corner them at the end. And the gnomes are like, well, step one is steal the underwear and then we don't know. And then step three is profit. Right. And they're like, but what's step two? And they're like, we just have to get the underwear and then we'll get the profit. Right. Yeah. It's like, I, I think this is kind of the Calicanceroy's vibe. That makes sense. Yeah. But I will say they are also defenders of uh, domestic justice. So get into this. Calicanceroy 
hate cheaters. And if they find out that somebody has been cheating on their partner, they will put all of their attention on them. They will harass them until they more or less confess that shit to their spouses. <laughs> They're like, listen here, you sneaky fucking bitch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, look, I mean, I guess even though these little goblins spend most of the year trying to undo the fabric of the world when they are not uh, trying to do that, they're up on they're up on the planet defending monogamy. Yeah, and that's cool. They're there with Carrie Underwood. They're slashing your tires. They're digging your keys into your sweet little souped up four wheel drive. Yeah, they're like, if you want an open relationship, have a fucking discussion about it. But you need to communicate your needs <laughs> to your partner. That's right. You can't just do what you want. Yeah, it's totally that thing. But like, I guess while they want to undo the world, they are also staunchly adherent to our moral codes. So what a cool paradox yeah now once again while we do not know the exact origin of the calicanceroid because it originated as an oral tale it should be said that its impact still remains prevalent to present day more contemporary depictions of the goblins in you know their respective lore uh, like regional folklores um kind of posit them more as tricksters rather than straight up demons who will end you which is cool and mm -hmm. you know still metal as fuck even without the impending doom of it all it's more psychological Absolutely. They can really twist your mind. Yes. But uh, something that I did notice specifically from Maria uh, Paravantes at the Greek Vibe was an anecdote that she shared about elder generations relationship to the legend. And this is kind of a nice way to wrap things up. So basically she had uh, basically stated that uh, the the Calicanceroi were used as a way to keep kids in line, similar to other folk legends that we've discussed on even our show before. Mm -hmm. um, and you can even... Uh, like trace calicanceroi into present day translations of the word goblin like it's just become synonymous with the word itself um so it's even kind of become a colloquialism in itself like i think in the harry potter series calicanceroi is used to uh, like in the translation for the word goblin in greek versions of the translation oh um and yeah it, it's kind of cool like I, I think it's an interesting function that it plays it's kind of like you know la llorona and things that we've talked about on here um and you know while it's safe to say that these little fuckers don't exist they are still woven into the fabric of uh, christmas time traditions i keep writing chistmas chistmas merry chistmas oh every time i type it in my phone i write chistmas and now my phone <laughs> is just accepting it so yeah they are still deeply woven into the fabric of a number of different christmas traditions and their legend continues to be transmitted all over the world especially due to the interest in spooky christmas world traditions that we all have you know kind of in this age of the internet so yeah get into it now you know about the calicanceroy and uh you know go out and the freak people out during the holidays with it go forth yeah and and yeah educate the masses yeah and stay inside baby that's it yeah as long as you're inside sounds like you're gonna be okay yeah. bring your dirty shoes yeah it's a reason to get hair um anyway so i would just want to thank my sources thank you to ancientpages.com for calicanceroy naughty nocturnal goblins emerged from underground only during 12 days of christmas published by a sutherland on december 17th 2019 thank you to greekreporter.com for calicanceroy the greek goblin that run wild at Christmas, published by Anna Wickman on December 25th of 2021. Thank you to uh, Helen uh, Helenica.com for Greek 
Christmas Trolls, Kyla Canceroy, published on November 26th of 2021. Thank you to com for Kyla Canceroy, Greek Christmas Goblins, published in December 2014, author unknown. Thank you to Daemonologia, or Daemonologia, sorry, um, for Kyla Canceroy, The Christmas Goblins of Greece, published by John, last name unknown, on December 29th, 2015. Thank you to Maria Paravantes at The Greek Vibe for Kyla Canceroy, The Greek the greek trolls of christmas uh published on december 1st of 2021 thank you to hannahfielding.net for the christmas goblins of greek folklore published by hannah fielding on december 28th 2017 and finally thank you to hnx media on youtube for calicansaros the christmas demon folklore story published on december 15th of 2020 our our yeah yeah i love that and uh i remember the colander fact that you're saying they had to count the holes in the colander mm-hmm. you might remember the episode of spooky snacks that i did quite some time ago where i talked about the boo hag oh yeah and that was one of the ways to keep the boo hag at bay oh shit count the holes in a colander oh my god cool yeah love it listen colanders are not just for straight and pasta hell no they also keep this the creepies away it's true mm-hmm. well thank love you johnny it. i love that it's very very uh tis it was a <laughs> it was very tis the season it was a very happy holiday. I was going to say it was... It's it very was very la 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 Yes, but also, it, it really gave Christmas moment. It, yeah, absolutely. I was giving Christmas moment. Yes. All right, well, uh, speaking of which, shall we move forward? We shall. All right, Tyler, let's talk about important social lessons of the day before we uh, completely lose track of ourselves. What did you learn today? Oh, yeah, today I learned that I love uh, Christmas time in Casa del Spooky. Yeah. The holiday season, if you will, in Casa del Spooky, because it seems like every year we learn about something more strange and more obscure yeah. in regards to like holiday folklore mm-hmm. like recently like a year ago maybe two years ago we learned about the yule cat yeah and now we got these little hung christmas goblins yeah get into it. those big dick and christmas goblins so now i'm like what's next year gonna what are we gonna learn next year i don't know i don't we'll have know. to wait and see yeah I got it. All right. Well, uh, I will say this week I learned, uh, if anything, it's just a reminder of something that I hold near and dear to my heart. And that's keep your dog on a dang leash. It's true. Like, like I get it. Like, you know, dogs are animals and you want to let them out. But we got to remember, like, you know, like let them out run free in your backyard where you are able to control where they go because mm-hmm. while i love you know dogs being able to be free in like off-leash dog parks and like you know controlled environments you also have to take into account the rest of the world i always say this because i'll be blunt like i had a dog that was like straight up just killed by an off-leash dog yeah he like it was a husky it literally walked up to my sweet little angel baby leia who was a miniature dachshund and without any warning whatsoever while she was laying under a chair it literally just ripped her guts out it killed her in a matter Mm -hmm. of moments um and yeah like that's the thing it's just some dogs even if they've been completely nice they just can have a kill instinct well that's and that it. is their prerogative and like you know all dogs should be able to exist and be happy and healthy and be loved but we as owners and people owner whatever the fuck you want to say we just have to be responsible around them so that they can live a life and have off-leash moments and have you know you know and like i understand mistakes happen but i'm i'm really 
stringent about this. Like, I really think that people need to respect leash laws and stuff like that. Yeah, because that's it. Like with with Fleetwood, for example, not to go off on this too much. Uh, like I would, I I love Fleetwood, but I would never ever trust him off of a leash yeah. because he can be a reactive dog. Yeah, I trust and your dog, but I don't trust my dog all the time. Yeah, but then know? exactly, but that's where it becomes worrisome because sometimes people are out there walking their dogs with no leash. Their dog is coming up to my dog. I have my dog on a leash because I want to prevent uh, those sort of interactions because yeah. he will be reactive, Yeah, but I can't, I can't control the situation if an off-leash dog is coming into our space or an off-leash dog in a park where you're supposed to have your dog on a leash runs out of the park because uh, like have your dog off-leash in an off-leash park they have those parks because you can they can make They're sure gated. that they don't run out into the fucking road exactly because then that's also the thing what if your dog runs in front of a fucking car and then that person driving the tercel has to reconcile with the fact that they took your dog's life and they didn't mean to mm -hmm. like it just sucks yeah and it's irresponsible and it like at the end of the day that might be hard to hear and i know like growing up in the country it can be a bit of a different thing but it's, it's truly just what i believe it's time and a place and that's the situation like, and yeah. look my baby was eviscerated in the country so yeah. like it fucking happens so yep. yeah that's what i learned today just my little reminder just my little soapbox moment mm -hmm. um now with that being said do you want to read a review yeah let's do that i've got a real fun one here and this was written to us by nct404 on apple podcasts and they wrote love you guys they give us five stars and it's it starts with the content slaps my teenager's assessment <laughs> and even better Johnny and Tyler's energy and relationship. Um, thank you for making us smile and modeling such a healthy, loving and beautiful partnership. M that might be a signature or that might be a typo. Yeah. Cause it says partnership M exclamation point altogether. And maybe Regardless, they're just like, mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? <laughs> I like that. In fact, I'm going to interpret it as like a Yoda, like a, mm. okay. Yeah. 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 Except, Yoda who hasn't smoked for, you know for way too long in their life and can't really hit the notes. Yeah. Um but love the review. Love the honesty, love the usage of the term slap. You used it correctly. We Hell love yeah. that. We love you for this. Yeah, thank NCT you so much. NCT 404 or M as you might like to be called as your pen name indicates. Yeah. Uh that was super sweet and you made our day. You sure did. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, you slap. And uh look, if you want to be just like NCT 404 potentially M or aka the person who made our day, if you want to make our day too, you can leave us a sweet little review and rating on whatever podcast app you're listening to us on it'll make our day it's really helpful in fact this is a public service announcement even though we've been doing this for about four years now we still need those reviews more than ever mm -hmm. they they can still help you pop and get onto those like new and noteworthy pages absolutely it helps one become noteworthy and here's the thing yeah queer, queer content has a hard time uh, getting proper exposure it's hell yeah true. it's it is what it is that's the thing it's like uh, you know we uh how do i say this gently while you might think like oh millions of people listen to them we're actually too gay for a lot of people yeah um and and like we don't talk about that a lot on here but it's like we're not we're not like some of our friends if you catch my drift like we're not huge fucking shows because like we are considered very niche content to people so like the reviews really do mean a lot to us that's literally why we create space for them that's why we underline them and that's why if you write one we are so thankful for 
for it that we like to choose them at random and read them on the show. That's right. Um, and like we we love everyone, of course, you know, like everyone. But I'm just saying, like, you know, like we are still at a point where reviews really make a difference with us. And exactly. Positive ones and five star ones. They so, never stop helping. Exactly. Now, if you're looking for another way to support the show, you can always join us over on the Secret Society that doesn't suck. We've talked about it before on here. It's at patreon.com slash that spooky. You can support the show. Uh, you can help us keep the lights on over here. You also get a ton of fun stuff depending on what tier you sign up at, including access to our weekly mini episodes called Spooky Snacks. That's right. And if you're not in a position where you're able to support us on Patreon, that is A-OK. You can still hang out with us on social media. We're on all platforms at That's Spooky Pod. Yeah, and you can also email us your spooky gay bullshit, your spooky uh, stories for listener stories episodes, or just your pet photos, because, you know, that's how we are. Um, but you can email us at the, uh, That's Spooky Pod at gmail.com, spelled just like it is in our social media, but with a gmail.com thrown at the end. Yeah. So T-H-A-T-S-S-P-O-O-K-Y-P-O-D at gmail.com. And a special request for pet photos. Please. Now that it's getting colder, send us photos of your pets in their cute winter attire, please. Please. Yes. Yeah. And we also have a website. It's thatspooky.com. You can listen to episodes from there. You can access the Secret Society from there. Email us. And you can check out our store. Yeah, or just go directly to thatspooky.com slash store. There you can see what we have up right now. You can also click the link to our Bonfire Apparel store where you can get print-to-order merchandise 24-7, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the time. It's all there. It so is. Yeah, I hope you're all having a happy holiday season, whatever that means to you. Again, go check out Trans Santa. Um, if you don't know who or what they are, it's a really great uh, queer initiative to support. T-R-A-N-S-A-N-T-A. It's not Trans Santa with two S's in between. There's only one. And uh, yeah, go learn more about them. I keep signal boosting them, and we have been for the last, I think, this is the third year we're talking about is, them. I think this is the third year that they've been doing it. Yeah, and it. we and you know we've been mentioning it since because it's super near and dear to us. And yeah, if if you're if you got some excess this holiday season and you want to help someone out, it's a really good way to do it. Yeah, so super. Awesome. Um, with that being said, don't forget we love you very much. Kissy kisses. Oh wait, we need to compliment them. We do. You're the sweetest holiday treats of all. It's true. You've got that big goblin dick energy. Hell yeah. <laughs> totally and uh, don't forget we love you very much kissy kisses and as always don't forget if you're gonna be a bitch be a spooky bitch and happy birthday johnny thank you birthday boy birthday boy birthday boy birthday boy you want to see my titty birthday boy you want to see my titty birthday boy bye Hey, Prime members, you can listen to That Spooky early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's true, then you're in luck. Because, once again, Mr. Ballin' Podcast, Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Each week on the Mr. Ballin' Podcast, you'll hear new stories about inexplicable encounters, shocking disappearances, true crime cases, and everything in between. Like our recent episode titled White Dust. After a middle-aged couple fail to answer their daughter's messages and calls, the daughter drives the few hours to her parents' house to check on them, 
But after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.